you could wake up one day and be 93 and you, you spent your whole life trying to play it safe and still mm. regret the fact that you never took a risk on something. Um, and I think I, I just went into 2021 saying, you know, I might fail at this, but honestly, going after it and failing is still worth more to me than staying and never taking that risk. Hey guys, what a great episode for you today. I chat with Lacey Reddick. She's the founder of Olokun Minerals and her and her team are basically harvesting clean water and minerals from salty water slash brine slash seawater with the goal of protecting the world's clean water supplies. So ensuring that we have clean water for folks. She tells a really powerful story of the impact of climate change on our clean water supplies. By 2025, two thirds of the world's population is at risk of clean water, which got me shook. I don't know about you, but, and she dives into how we can prevent that from happening, what technologies to look out for, what she's excited for in the space, what we need more of, more entrepreneurs, more investments, and just how fun and collaborative the climate tech space is. So really, really fun conversation that I enjoyed getting to know Lacey. Here she is. All right. So excited to dive in with you, Lacey. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you, what's bringing you joy these days? Mm. What's bringing me joy these days? So honestly, I think, so I've started a gratitude practice of just um, starting the day with like really thinking about or being intentional of writing out three things I'm grateful for. And I think the change in just like my mindset for the day has mm. really brought me a lot of un, un, unexpected joy. And um, so I would say that's probably like the one thing that I think that um, is I'm really happy about. And I'll stop there. <laughs> no, it's interesting how the reframing can be so powerful. Yeah. Like even just the simple reframing of not, I need to do this, but I get to do this or I choose mm -hmm. to do this or just waking up and thinking about your day and, oh my goodness, I get to do all these things is really powerful for me. I, I definitely had that this morning, this feeling this morning of, my goodness, I get to chat with Lacey, get to know about her, mm -hmm. about Olokun. Um, Marci and I are going to go on a date later. It's Friday. We're going to yeah. go see comedy. How awesome. <laughs> where, where are you calling in from again? We're in Austin, Texas. You should let um, us know if you're ever in town. Yes. Yes. It looks it looks nice there. So I'll, I'll let you know too. But yes, I think in, in this day and age too, there's just so much going on. There's a lot of heaviness actually that happened even this week. And so I think just Understanding yes. that, you know, life is so precious and there's still so much joy and, and so much um, to be grateful for in any moment, no matter what's really going on. And things could always get worse, unfortunately, but um, just realizing kind of like the the beauty in every single moment, I think is, is kind of like the right mindset to have moving forward. Yeah, totally. And someone mentioned to me recently about how the things you already have are probably the most meaningful things to you, your family, your good friends, yourself, and your own sense of purpose. And that's stuff that people can't take away and really appreciating that day-to-day -day is so important. Agreed, agreed. All right, Lacey, I am so excited to get to learn more about Olokun and what you're building. So you're, for context for folks, you're building a sustainable mining company with the goal of protecting clean water sources as well as harvesting minerals in a productive way. And before we go in and I ask you to explain more, I would love for you to tell us about how you came up with the name Olokun and what it means. Yes. So I'll start by saying we're, we're located in Southern California. Um, and then we started around the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. This is also a, a lot of racial, racial reckoning that was happening during that time. Um, 
we started as a way to really look at the problems around desalination and the largest desalination um, plant in the or facility in the in the Western Hemisphere is located in San Diego, so not that far from uh, where I started Bullock Minerals. Um, and that plant was named Poseidon Water. So initially I was thinking about the reference to a lot of the same Greek and Roman gods and goddesses, um, or just a lot of references in general to a certain demographic or a certain group and not as many references to others. And so really I started looking into, you know, how, how can we highlight the fact that we are a black women-owned company or we're starting a black women-owned company? Um, and I really fell in love with Olikin and the story behind Olikin, which is, Ayurisha in the Yoruba, um, Yoruba religion uh, focused on all bodies of water. So Olikin is the ruler of not only the ocean, but all water bodies and all other water deities. And basically the the story or the the people that follow Olikin are, mm-hmm. are said to inherit great health and, and great wealth, um, which I will not I will, I'm I will not going to say no to that. <laughs> um, but yes, and so it, it also represents, so Olikin represents the depths of the ocean and the riches from the depths of the ocean. And that really resonates with what Olikin really is about. We take water, initially we were looking at seawater that was turned into fresh water. And in that process, um, the minerals that come from the depths of the ocean and being able to extract those and use those for supply chains, um, many of which we already use today, but we just, we source them in a different way. Uh, so anyway, the story of Olikin really resonated not only with the story of the business that we were creating, but who we were as founders. And what a beautiful nod to your culture, to our culture, and what a beautiful story. You started to tell me a little bit about the problem that you guys are addressing at Olikin. Can you share an overview of it? Yes. So I'll start by saying my background is in uh, civil engineering with a concentration in water resources and environmental engineering. Um, And I also say too, I'm, I'm a proud product of Jackson, Mississippi, which I know has gone through its own water issues. Um, but I think that that, that background and, and what I have studied and my experiences have really led me to this point of wanting to solve the problems around clean water security. So really the mission of Olakin Minerals is to solve for two critical things, and that's how can we secure clean water in a way that's sustainable um, and beneficial to the environment, as well as um, supplying or securing vital resources that we will also need. And so those are the two things that we're really after. Um, and kind of the reason behind that is because we, I see that as the two main issues that we're going to need to address um, as climate changes, as the world changes, and as we grow as a, as a population. Yeah, absolutely. Can you help us understand how big the problem is and the scale? Yeah, so water. Let's. There's so many problems here, but we're facing a future where two-thirds of the world's population may face water shortages by as early as 2025. I mean, that's literally three years from now. Literally, yes, literally three years from now. So it's literally it's two years years from now. Yeah, two years from now. I was going to say two to three years from now, um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll start seeing those impacts. Um, we And also, too, I just want to highlight climate change. I know climate change can be somewhat of a... Um, a, a tricky uh, subject for a lot of different people, but if you just look at the facts, so let's negate the the, the word climate change and we look at um, what is actually factual and, and true today, and that's that there's more carbon in the atmosphere than ever before. We know that our, our glaciers are, are melting, our, our ice caps are melting. We know that the fresh water sources that we do have are dwindling, um, and we know that sea levels is rising. So no matter what, we're, we're trending towards um, less fresh water sources and larger amounts of salty, briny waters. And we're gonna have to do something about that. Another fact that I think is important is if you look at population growth, 
um, and this is something that just blows my mind every time I rethink about it, but in 1929, which is the year that my grandfather was born, and it's less than 100 years ago, there were 2 billion people on earth. And today mm -hmm. we just tipped 8 billion people. So in the last 100 years, we've quadrupled the world's population. And not only is the population significantly higher than it was just 100 years ago, we've also increased the amount of natural resources we are consuming individually. Um, and that's impacting the planet as a whole. And we just can't sustain that. And so really, you know, the problem that we're solving is twofold. We are trying to clean as much water as we can, but we also need to figure out more creative ways to source the metals and minerals needed to live the, the lives that we have become accustomed to uh, as part of just the modern way that we live. And in that process, we really need to be thinking about circular solutions and, and solutions that are more, that, that make our the processes that we do more efficient because we are we are not only consuming more, but we're more wasteful. And, and so there's a lot of different things there that I think that we are trying to tackle, um, which I realize is very ambitious, um, but I think that, you know, it's worth going after. And I think we are finding ways to really make this um, make this happen, which is really exciting and, and what really lights me up. So when you talk about sparking joy at the beginning of this interview, I mean, that really does spark me joy. Um, and it has given me a lot of um, fulfillment over the last two years since starting the company. Very powerful, makes a ton of sense. So thank you for sharing that with us and setting the context. I wanna ask what, which of the two thirds of the population is most at risk here? Yeah, so really, and it goes back to um, those that are in climates where um, those climates are dry. And so I'm looking more so at what's already starting to happen in Sudan, in uh, the Middle East, um, in a lot of areas where those populations might be black and brown people. Um, mm -hmm. And so that we're already starting to see it there. Um, but a lot of times that I want to highlight this as well, you know, we think that because it's happening over there, it's not going to happen to us. But I think this is also a good um, this is a good time to highlight that we are more connected than I think we um, than we realize. COVID was a really great example of showing that something that happens in, in one community is it's, it's very easy to affect other communities. The war in Ukraine is also another example of how um, one conflict can really uh, impact us. Because of globalization, because we're so connected, we really have to be conscious of how droughts in other areas are affecting um, those communities because we will see a trickle down or uh, the effects will start to, to impact us more and more significantly as we see uh, droughts becoming more and more severe. Really strong point about how connected we are and how things across the planet affect us. It's such a small planet if you actually kind of take a moment to think about it and um, we're so dependent on one another. I'm so excited and glad that you're working in this space, Lacey, and so pleased that this sparks joy for you. I feel like that's also one of the pursuits of life is to find work that's meaningful and sounds like you're there. So how are you addressing it with Olokun? How are you addressing this challenge? Yeah, so our solution is really to, um, we have a new or innovative way of filtering out or separating out minerals from brines. In the past, mm -hmm. um, those filtration methods have really focused on one metal or mineral at a time. And we have a way to basically um, separate out multiple things at the same time. And we're also doing it in a way that doesn't rely on the use of um, had a lot, lots of acids and, and chemicals to do so. And so that's really the innovation here. Um, again, it's relatively early. Um, so we're, we're still you know, in the lab, we're still um, doing a lot of testing in order to figure out how do we really scale this, uh, but it's, it's very promising. And what we know is that there's a huge market need. Um, and that's kind of what is um, allowing us to have the momentum that we have to keep moving forward. So it sounds like you're building this proprietary technology? 
Yes. And basically the, the whole idea is uh, we have, think of it as a filtration method and mm-hmm. our business model is extraction as a service. So really what we offer at Olathe Minerals is the service of taking wastewater streams and filtering out what's, what's valuable and hopefully at the end, uh, allowing you to at the very least have a water source that's is more is closer to being clean water um, yeah. than it was before and at the end too you have uh, metals and minerals that can then be sold into into the um, in, into different supply chains or create another revenue stream for our customers yeah so i studied chemical engineering in undergrad and you're bringing me to a lot of these uh, classes in third and fourth year junior and senior year so i love it so it sounds like more effective filtration and kind of more clean uh, absorption of these minerals for other use. Exactly. And, and you then, might already um, be familiar with chromatography. So yeah. um, we're, we're utilizing chromatography in a way that um, in the past has been used a lot in, in pharmaceuticals, but not as much in um, mineral filtration separations. And so that's kind of the, the new way that we're thinking about um, utilizing chromatography. So, so, so cool. Who are your partners and what's your team like? And so I, I started this company as a solo founder and I want to say how amazing it is to have a co-founder. And I, for any other entrepreneurs out there, I, I, I just want to reiterate to find to find a really good co-founder. It really is life changing. Um, yeah. And she compliments me in so many ways. And I just <laughs> want to like uh, make sure I shout her out today. And What's her name? Palanda Watkins Curry. Doctor Palanda Watkins Curry is a co-founder, a PhD chemist, um, has worked um, in solid doing solid state chemistry. Um, so she's really, she's the technical co-founder um, for Olicon Minerals and, and really brings a lot, not only to Olicon Minerals as a company and, and, and allowing mine to come up with these different innovations, but just to me too, as a, as a, the CEO, being able to yeah. have somebody to balance and, and, and think through ideas, she's been great. Um, and so we make up, you know, the core team. Uh, we have a number of different partners that we've been able to work with. Harvard Business School um, with some of their students to do some economic development work, NYU engineering with getting some interns to help on, on the lab side. Uh, we are currently funded, so we love our investment partners. Um, uh, Propeller VC is, is, a, is a fund that's doing a lot of work in, um, ocean and cli- in the ocean and climate space. And then outside of that, um, we've worked with the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, California, uh, the Venture for Climate Tech program that's based in um, New York, and then uh, WSP. WSP is a uh, engineering consulting firm uh, that works a lot with, they consult for many of um, people, many companies that would be considered our customers. And so those have been the partnerships thus far. We're always looking for new uh, collaborations and, and customers. So very much open to hearing from um, companies that work in, in the water space, as well as uh, companies that, that might have um, wastewater streams, briny wastewaters that need to be cleaned, whether that's oil and gas, geothermal energy, desalination, would love to hear from you. And they can find you at Olokun's website. Yes, Olokun's website. Yeah, that would be great. Amazing. And then what's on the horizon for you guys? So we recently were funded. So we we, we have um, we raised our pre-seed fundraise to do more research and development. Uh, over the next year, we'll be doing a number of pilots. And so really the goal is to get out of the lab and get out into the real world and do uh, more demonstration pilot projects. And so really mm-hmm. the next 12 months are going to be focused on that goal. Uh, getting to a point where we can uh, basically demonstrate in in the real world with real world customers what our capabilities are, um, and get feedback from 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 those pilots. Such an exciting time to be building. You know what? I want to ask about your story of getting into entrepreneurship, Lacey. As you started to touch on that a little bit, what was yeah. that like for you? How did you make the plunge? Given you had an engineering background, yes. So 
I don't know about you, Jennifer, but as an engineer, and it's, <laughs> you can be very risk averse. And I know that might be a um, crux for a lot of different people, but really this idea of either needing things to be perfect or not wanting to fail. So mm-hmm. especially as a civil engineer, you know, failure could lead to loss of life. There's a lot of things that you associate with um, and, and why you make things so redundant so that you don't reach failure. And so yeah. I had to really reach shift how I looked at failure before I could even feel comfortable taking a leap. Um, but I think what helped was, you know, we, 2020, as, you know, crazy as it was, as, as painful as it might have been, it was really a turning point in a way to um, expand my mindset around the fact that life is very short. Um, and you can take that in a lot of ways. But one of the things that you learn when you think about, you know, how short life is, you learn that, you know, there's never a right time to to go after the things that you want to achieve in this life. Tomorrow is not promised. And also during the pandemic, I had we had um, family Zoom calls. I don't know if you did that or if you're, yeah. you're there was a lot of connections, you know, with family. So we had a, a, a weekly family Zoom call where I got to connect with my great uncles and aunts and cousins. Um, and we talked about, you know, their life and, you know, things that they um, really loved and things that they regretted. Um, and I think hearing their stories also made me realize that, you know, you could wake up one day and be 93 and you, you spent your whole life trying to play it safe and still mm-hmm. regret the fact that you never took a risk on something. Um, and I think I, I just went into 2021 saying, you know, I might fail at this, but honestly, going after it and failing is still worth more to me than staying and never taking that risk. And, and getting to that point is really what allowed me to, it really felt like I was like jumping off a cliff. So it, it allowed yeah. me a lot to, to take the leap. Um, and honestly, too, um, there was a lot of serendipity, um, just lucky moments, I would say, that happened very early on. Um, I just happened to be on a clubhouse call when they were talking talking about climate, when they were talking about, um, you know, a, a venture for, the Venture for Climate Tech program. And because of that, I, I applied, and then that gave us our first grant. And so that grant allowed me to you have applied to the, on deck, or uh, not to on deck, but to um, I, I did apply to on deck actually through um, just networking with different people, but and but also to uh, venture for climate tech. So on deck actually was one of the first programs that I did, and then in addition to on deck, I did venture for climate tech. But both programs, one allowed me to kind of create my own community in the climate space because I really didn't. It's not I didn't know where to start. Um, but having a community really helped and then having funding. So having grant funding to just get started was really the, it was the confirmation that I needed that I could go after this. Um, and so those two things really allowed me to, 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 to go in that direction. Um, and I will say, this is the last thing I'll say on this is um, really what I did was take advantage of very lucky moments. And mm. there's a quote, I'm going to misquote it around the best entrepreneurs everyone, first of all, everyone gets a lucky break, but the best entrepreneurs maximize that luck. And so I think somebody told me that really early on before a lot of this started happening. And I just kind of committed to as much luck or as much good fortune that comes into my life, I'm going to maximize it to the to the utmost potential, potential uh, just to make sure that um, I'm not missing anything. So that's kind of been my um, mission, I would say, um, from from starting. It reminds me of actually this notion of success is the intersection of opportunity and preparation. Exactly. And really like jumping on on every opportunity and making the most of it. Sounds like the ethos of what you're describing. And then the other thing that came to mind for me as you were sharing is how much you value your team and your partners and bringing back to Olokun and I'll share an African proverb, which is if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And it's all about the folks that you bring along with you in the journey. 
So yeah. sounds like you were overcoming this fear of failure, potentially, maybe like a bit of risk aversion. Were there any other maybe voices or gremlins or limiting beliefs that you had that you are working on today or were able to work on to get to where you are today with Olokun? Yes. So out, so outside of failure, right? So getting over, getting to the root of what failure really means. Uh, why are you afraid to fail? Is it, what is it, what is it? strike within you? Um, what is there? Is there um, an inner wound that you were trying to protect? Um, and for me, there was might maybe two things. It was not feeling good enough, I think was like a, mm. a big one that I needed to get over. Um, and I think at the core of that was um, because if I could just get myself to realize that I am worthy no matter you know what's going on, then there's other things, there's other layers that I can let go of. One of those layers being caring what people think. I think as an entrepreneur, you really cannot care at all what anybody has to say um and like you're you're moving in a way that you every part of this journey is going to be somebody else with an opinion that honestly might be really valid um you know after not caring like you have to go through not caring what your friends think or like people that you grew up with think you know that's one layer and then that becomes really easy but then it's not caring what investors might think um and, mm -hmm. and being okay with like hearing no or being okay with negotiating which was something that was really hard for me actually going through negotiating term sheets mainly because you know I, I was very much not somebody who wanted to rock the boat not somebody who wanted to be confrontational and like hearing what people think might not be like on you but it might be i don't want them to feel like i'm difficult um mm -hmm. and so just you have to get over that and i'm sure you know this is going to be an ongoing thing um and i and i just think about even the the leaders and entrepreneurs that i admire and the amount of criticism that they receive on, on different levels and being okay. If, if that's the level that I achieve or that I aspire for, I have to one day be okay with that level of criticism, honestly. Um, and I don't know if my nervous system is ready right now, but that's <laughs> something that um, I'm just really thinking about and trying to be conscious of moving forward. Um, and then yeah. the last, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, you never get anywhere without standing for something. Exactly. Uh, and also in entrepreneurship, you need to be non-consensus. You need to see around corners. You need to have a vision of what the future is like and building it and have that level of confidence and boldness that you can make it happen that others may not believe in. And that's what makes a great entrepreneur. Obviously, balance with a healthy dose of humility and being able to see and and accurately evaluate what, what you're doing, whether it's right or wrong, whether you're making mistakes, how to correct them grow, but you need that uh, to be a good entrepreneur. Exactly. And it's all, it's a work in progress for all of us. I hear it from every entrepreneur that I chat with. Agreed, agreed. One last point too, um, with both of those things, I, I completely agree with you, Jennifer, in standing for something and being able to be clear on what you're standing for. I think that comes with having clarity of what you want what what's your purpose in life and people talk about purpose a lot but like what do you really want to achieve in this life that that takes time i think it took me at least two years to get actually clear on this is really what i care about um despite and it, and it doesn't come from ego it doesn't come from fear like this is like a core belief in me and this is what i think i should be doing um and i think also too with this un unlayering or, or unraveling of, of the different layers, keeping you from going after what you want, it's really trying to be in touch with your intuition. And that's something mm -hmm. that I'm still um, looking to do as well is just make sure that I can understand and hear my intuition above any other voice, um, whether it's outside of, of myself or inside of myself. And it's distinguishing intuition from fear or ego has kind of been kind of like an ongoing um, 
journey for me. Yeah, process. For me, I think about that as make sure you're always running towards something, not away from something, because fear tends to be us running away from things. Exactly. And as I practice listening to my intuition, which I love that you bring that up, we we must get together, Lacey, and, and hang out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing I, I, a lot I, of I, things I resonate <laughs> with. Um, but there it's like spending spending time with myself, right? Listening to Jennifer and, and trying to focus on what do I want versus all the noise of what society's expectations are or what you think people want of you and just getting in touch with what you want. Is any practice helpful for you in connecting with your intuition? So I know people talk about meditation a lot, but I, I have started to meditate and I cannot knock net meditation nice. at all um, and journaling. So I think meditation yeah. allows me to really um, be silent or, or get still enough to hear and I think journaling allows me to understand what is what other voices are, are kind of going on that I need to um, kind of filter through in order to really get to being able to act on the voice that I'm hearing like during that that meditation. Wow. My husband meditates, started meditating as well recently and really loves it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's running, going on runs mm-hmm. and just listening to myself and getting to connect with me and walks and, and stuff like that. All right. Awesome. How do you feel about transitioning back to talking about the global water supply? Is there anything else here that you wanted to touch on that we haven't? Um, Yeah, no, we we can keep going. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you for sharing that with us. That was lovely. So coming back to global water supply, I'm so curious to get a sense of what the ecosystem of solutions looks like. So we have uh, the technology that you you and your team is building. What are other solutions to look out for in this space? So, you know, I'm really excited about this idea of atmospheric water generation. Um, you might hear it called AWG, atmospheric water generation. You might hear it called zero source water, but it goes back to the same thing and that's sourcing water from the air. And again, with uh, the issues that were going on in Jackson, Mississippi recently, that was kind of one of, that was one of the solutions that I um, put forward and we were able to get a few companies. Thank you to Source Water. I, w- I will put, put them out there and um, Moses West Foundation. They both have solutions in this space where you can, basically take the humidity in the air, turn it into clean, drink, drinkable water, and then that be the source of water for different communities. And what that solves for a lot of people is, one, it's, it's a water that you can trust. You can still filter it through your own system. You can still test it to make sure it meets just your, your level of, um, or, or the level of standards of drinking water that, that are needed. But you're not having to rely on extremely expensive infrastructure. And, and Infrastructure in Jackson, which is not that large of a city, is still over a billion dollars worth of repairs that needs yeah. to be made. And that's just one city. And when you think about the fact that infrastructure is aging across the country, there's a lot of costs associated with trying to make sure that we all have access to water just based on the sources that the, the clean water sources that we've been relying on for, for so long that are currently um going, we're, we're losing. And so I yeah. think atmospheric water generation is definitely one that I'm really interested in. There are other solutions around wastewater that I understand in theory, yeah. but I cannot wrap my <laughs> head around. Just yeah, like... you need to get a PhD in that specific. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but so there are in, in the wastewater space, being able to take your wastewater and, and clean it well enough for it to be mm-hmm. drinking water. Um, so, so those are, those are solutions that I think are, are, on the horizon and are here actually, um, and yeah. are exciting um, in that space. Yeah. As I, I think back to what you shared with us, two thirds of the world's population is at risk of water shortages in two years time by 2025. Mm-hmm. How do we not fail at preventing that? So I think we have to think about allocating the money, the resources needed. So not only 
funding needed to build projects that can actually be used in those areas. So in, in a lot of those areas, you'll likely need to do desalination because it's in an area where um, it might be uh, too hot to, mm-hmm. uh, there's not a lot of groundwater sources, and then there might not be as much humidity as you might see in other areas. So in, in areas hu- with high humidity, um, you can definitely do more of that zero source water, atmospheric water generation, but desalination is likely going to have to be a solution for those communities. And the issues with desalination is uh, there is some construction time involved. There's also, again, uh, sustainable issues around we need to source and we need to be able to have a circular solution around the brine that's created, which is what we're, we're helping with. Um, and you also need to be able to power these operations. The good mm-hmm. thing about a lot of these areas is that you have a lot of uh, sun, direct sunlight, which mm. you can use solar energy in a way that you might not be able to use in other areas, which is a benefit. So there are opportunities for uh, these desalination solutions to potentially be done using a renewable energy source and, and not needing fossil fuels in order to power those. So that that could be a way that we could move forward. Um, but I also think that there just needs to be more people in this space coming up with great ideas and, and trying those out. There was a, and on deck, I think there was a, a, a saying that people said with, we need more shots on goal. And that's really mm-hmm. the point. We need more people trying new things um, and, and seeing what works. Got it. And speaking really plainly with us, Lacey, how are you feeling about how we're tracking toward that, toward protecting clean water supply? Because I'm asking because I'm worried. So as much as I, so to be completely honest, I think I, in this moment, am worried as well, as far as, um, I don't know if, have you seen, have you seen Don't Look Up? I hate to reference this movie. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the political movie that came out on Netflix last year around this time. Yes, it was. And the whole point of Don't Look Up was more so um, equating the climate change to mm-hmm. um, a, a, a meteor right. hitting Earth and people not really paying attention to it. So it, it feels kind of like that still where we are, we're saying it. I mean, and, and I feel like 2021 was a really big year to say, hey, we need to be thinking about this. We are in the last decade before like we th- things become uh, irreparable. And we're, we really need to change before 2030. Um, so at this moment, it feels, I do feel a heightened sense of we need to be doing something. Um, but I also am hopeful that, you know, every year there's more people coming into the climate space. A lot of extremely smart, brilliant, talented, hardworking people. And I, and I want to believe that there is still hope that this can be turned around. I think about people who procrastinate maybe like the day before a test, right? So you have like a, a two weeks before going into a test and, and you might wait till a day or two days or maybe even night, the night before to cram for that test. So what I'm trying to say is that there's probably going to be a lot of efforts closer to 2023 to turn things around. So I'm not completely, ju- I, I don't think that because we are in 2022 right now and, and it's not trending, that it, we should completely lose hope. But I hope that there will be more people uh, between now and the next seven years, really, um, to, to have more people to, to really see these solutions ramp up. So I'm hearing we need a lot more folks working in the space, trying out and experimenting with potential solutions. What about funding? What else with so there, respect to the landscape? And I don't know if you've already seen it, Jennifer, too, but um, people who have never thought about climate in the past are now having climate funds. And I see it literally in almost every single investor um, yeah, across and the climate schools, climate schools, is, is an example. Terra.do is an example. Um, there's a lot of people 
who who are waking up to the fact that this is needed across different industries. So no matter what industry you're in, whether, even in, in the arts, um, here in California, there's a huge entertainment community. And there are a lot of people working in entertainment who want to um, do something about climate. And so they've kind of commit, they've started to commit to doing more documentaries, raising more awareness about it. Um, so I, I do think that there are uh, different, and in, 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 I go back to investments, there are a lot of different people who are waking up to it, making, making them more aware, which means um, investments in that space are becoming um, greater and greater as well. And people are, are understanding that if we don't have a, a planet to live on, then literally nothing else matters. So yeah. nothing else outside of climate, it, nothing is as important, I would say, in this moment in time than investing in climate. And honestly, there is a huge uh, financial upside if we were to get it right. Like if we were to save the world, that's a, that's a huge value add. And I believe that money should equate to the value that you put into the world. Yeah. We've talked about what we need to do to prevent that. What does a different, more positive scenario look like for you? You mentioned some technologies that you're looking forward to. What I'm the most happy about is the amount of collaboration that's happening across different companies and this change in mindset. So I think most capitalistic mindsets are very self-oriented, um, really trying to beat their competition where, and then this space just feels more community oriented, um, a yeah. sense of an abundance mentality as opposed to scarcity. Um, and, and I think that is also really hopeful because it's not, when you think about the, a triple bottom line approach or the approach of not just looking at how much money you can potentially make from this opportunity, you start to see synergies and you also realize that there's ways for us to um, complement each other within our, our businesses, as opposed to trying to feel like we need to beat somebody or, or um, annihilate the competition. And so in that space, I, I really am excited and really happy. Um, outside of that, I am, <laughs> um, outside of even water, I'm really excited about Fusion Energy, um, there's a, a breakthrough in Fusion Energy that, that just um, happened uh, in the I last few days. And and that's really, that's also really hopeful because that's a clean energy source that could potentially uh, replace fossil fuels. And and this is new science that we've never right. had before. And I, and I feel like we'll likely have many of those breakthroughs or announcements coming out more frequently, which is great. So even though in this moment, I might not be as hopeful, I think every day brings another, um, some, some new revelation that completely changes the trajectory of our world in a way that we couldn't have thought about before. I've heard a lot about, we want more entrepreneurs in the space, more solutions, more testing. Funding keeps coming in, that's great. And we are making breakthroughs, sounds like continually, which is hopeful. How about day-to-day -day folks who may not have it in the cards to become an entrepreneur or investor? Is there more we can do to contribute positively toward protecting the climate? Yeah, I think the main thing that we can do as individual citizens is vote. Policy mm -hmm. impacts so much. Um, a lot of these early, a lot of these early innovations are either coming from a national lab that's funded from the U.S. government, or they're being funded. Early funding is coming from grants before they go after venture capital funding, and money going to those spaces comes from the government. And if we vote people that we want to be thinking about that. I mean, we, our vote allows us to put in power people who are going to be thinking about that versus not. We also have the ability to change policies around what, how we consume um, and, and further regulate certain industries so that we're not trending um, towards being a more consumer-focused um, economy. And so I think the number one thing people can do is vote. 
Um, and then second, I think they could be more conscious of, of their buying, whether that's directly buying. So you can um, be more eco-friendly and, and there's a lot of different, and, and be conscious of greenwashing, but um, consumers are um, becoming more and more aware of their buying habits. And I think um, that influences companies to change the direction that they go because they're, they're, they're producing based off of what their customers want. Um, but then also how you invest. So there's a, a couple of companies that are specifically focused on um, making sure that your investment dollars goes go to companies that are really focused on sustainability and, and climate. Um, and, and I think you at Climatize is one company that comes to mind. Uh, there are a few others as well, but really those are the three main ones. Um, thinking about how you vote, um, what your buying habits are, and where you're investing your money. Yeah. Lizzie, have you heard of Joro, the app? I have. I don't know why I have. Yes, I have heard of J-U-R-O. J-O-R-O. I want to make a plug for it for our listeners also to go check out in addition to Alokun. But we had their founder, Sanchali Pal, on the pod. And her app basically helps a consumer day-to-day track how their consumption is contributing to climate change. And like you get to understand just the caloric components of the food you take in. You get to understand how your habits contribute toward energy consumption and how you can make healthier habits. And you can track those. And that was really helpful just to get a sense of what impact you can have. I'm going to download the app right now. I promise you. After this, <laughs> after we record, I'm, I'm downloading Joe. Yeah. And I'll also make an introduction because I think you'll, you'll enjoy connecting with each other yes. as female founders in California and on a mission to save our planet. Thank you. I, I would appreciate the introduction. <laughs> Thanks, Jennifer. Yeah. Amazing. Lacey, this was so fun. I learned a ton from you. Is there anything else you wanted to leave us with before we head out today? Um, what I guess my, my, my last parting words is yeah um feel, i want people to feel like they can reach out to the people like a, a lot of times when we're when we want to do something different than what we're doing currently it just feels so far away and if i can just be somebody or to connect with feel free to connect with me on linkedin people connect with me on linkedin all the time um and reach out um and, and we can have an introductory conversation if there's anything that i can do to help connect you to somebody in my community that might be um might help you um, along your journey, I, I would yeah. love to do so. I think what we wanna do is just make this space as welcoming as possible so that people realize that this is really the future um, and you might as well do it today versus waiting tomorrow. Again, tomorrow's not promised you know, and that there's a lot of layers to, to, to that statement. Um, so uh, yes, just wanted to, to let people know that they can reach out to me um, in, on all channels if needed to help with this transition. I know how tough entrepreneurship, taking that step into it can be. And so that's a wonderful offer from you, Lacey. Lacey, thanks for spending the time with us today. I really appreciated it. And thanks for teaching us about the state of the global clean water supply. Thank you, Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like what you hear, leave a review and share.